Welcome back to another edition of Fresh Tracks. And our guide, as always, is David Herzrud from Sturgis. And David, this first topic about AM radio and car dealers and car makers, man, that's right down Route 1 for you. BMW, Tesla, uh, Volkswagen have removed or planning to remove AM radio from some of their electric models. And Ford, at least from what I've been able to gather, is rumored to be removing AM radio from all future models, electric or gas. I'm having an issue with it because the companies say that people's tastes have changed. You know, they're going to streaming and satellite radio. They also say that electromagnetic interference from the engine interferes with AM radio frequencies, making it sound kind of staticky. Uh, that's not good for the 4,000-plus AM radio stations in the U.S., and I think most of them are in North and South Dakota. Do you think the research is there to support this move, or is it potentially a corporate move to shift culture? Well, the other thing you run into also, I think in some cases car companies will make decisions based strictly on the bottom line. Having been a car dealer for you know over 40 years, there are times when I... I simply, very honestly, don't trust them. And you don't know how this, this enters into it. The biggest issue for me is AM radio delivers emergency weather alerts. The FEMA National Public Warning System operates through AM radio. And I don't think we're in a particular situation right now, considering what's happening uh, weather-wise around the globe, that we can afford to be without those. The other side of that, too, is the public broadcasting infrastructure helps move that EAS signal to radio stations. That's what happens in South Dakota. But I, uh, but knowing that, there's another wild card in there beside the, the changing weather and climates, and that is sometimes those warnings and things are passed along through cell coverage. But go ahead and tell me how great cell coverage is in South Dakota. I know it's improved, but man, there's a lot of people, a lot of places with no bars. AM radio, and I was joking about the 4,000 in, in <laughs> South Dakota and North Dakota, but it just, it, it sure seems that way. Because yeah. every small town had an AM radio station, and I think we all remember that depending on how old we are. And AM radio, for me, was, that was my window on the music world growing up as a kid. Oh, yeah. I can remember cruising Main Street in Lemon, South Dakota. At night, we listened to KOMA in Oklahoma City, KAAY in Little Rock, Arkansas, with uh, Beaker Street, hosted by Clyde Clifford, mm. brought to you by Stan's Record Shop <laughs> in Shreveport, Louisiana. There was also on, on good nights when you could get WLS in Chicago and WDGY in Minneapolis. Living in a small town... And hearing about bands like the Uglies, the Flippers, the Roaring Red Dogs, the Blue Things. And I remember in western uh, North Dakota, there was a band called Davy B and the Sonics. And they used to play a lot at the Curve in Mott, North Dakota. And that was like about a 125-mile trip from Lemon. But if, if they were playing there, that's where we were. I told somebody, I said I felt like Dracula growing up because... We, we basically lived for the night. Yeah. yeah, those AM radio waves skip off the ionosphere and travel so much further than their licensed area. Things like clear channel frequencies that would do that, 
And uh, one of the stations I worked at early in my career was called a daytimer because they had to, sh to low power at sundown to make room for those. So AM's a funny thing, but now you, you add to that suite of ways that you can connect. AM, there's FM, there's the digital signals that can bring the internet or other things, a satellite into your car. But who is who's the decision maker here? Is there is there a democracy in this at all? Well, I think, and at least I'm hoping, that the federal government is going to put enough pressure on the car manufacturers to leave AM radio alone. I think there's too many important issues that need to be addressed, and I don't want the decision being made by some corporate bigwig uh, sitting in an office in Detroit or L.A. or, or New York. It's important, and I, you know... We talk about the music and how much AM radio is meant to us growing up. One thing I wanted to bring up this during the show is okay. the 50th anniversary edition of Nuggets, original artifacts from the first psychedelic era. 1965 to 1968. Okay, how would you define psychedelic in that era? I think you could probably define it a little bit more by bands like the 13th Floor Elevators. just a, a little bit different were experimenting people wearing tie-dyed shirts and bell-bottom pants it was a reaction I mean you take a look at growing up in the 50s listening to the Bobby Darins and the Frankie Avalons mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you had the 13th floor elevators the music machine bands like that that were just going against the grain I hate to say it but I told you so don't mind my preaching to you it took a while for people to come to the realization that this was absolutely great music. But I mean, prior to this era, 65, 68, I mean, there was really basic guitar-driven groups and even blues-driven groups. I mean, if you want to talk about the influence of the Beatles, also of the Rolling Stones, this really is a departure when you throw in a Vox organ and even though the, the music structure may be the same, it really has a different sound than what they're playing it with. This was a time when music was, there was substantial and unprecedented growth. And you had bands that were, didn't want to play the same thing that, you know, the Dave Clark Five or the Beatles or Jerry and the Pacemakers were playing. You know, they wanted to go a little different. And I think it all depends on the part of the country you were from. There was a whole different atmosphere and it led to the experimentation and people going off in different directions. And you take a look at the changes that have happened over the past 50 years. A lot of it began with these bands. Any names that you think represent them? You picked out some songs that, that you think really are representative of this three to four year era that they're highlighting in, in this Nuggets album. Well, I mean, you take about all over the country, the Sir Douglas Quintet from Texas, the, the Bo Brummels from San Francisco, Kingsmen with Louie Louie.
I'm sure you know some bands that came out of the East Coast. Psychedelic wasn't a term because you're talking about Larry in his pre and early teens. So I wasn't too musically experimental that something that wasn't playing on KISD AM in Sioux Falls. Liar Liar, remember that song by the oh, Castaways? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where that organ influence came in and where I was thinking about this psychedelic to a degree had something to do with instrument exploration. And then a little bit of soul, not only instrumentation, but rhythm driven by a group called the Music Explosion. Now when you're feeling low and the fish won't bite. One is, of many of the groups that are identified, the term one-hit wonder came to mind, and I know that's not completely the case. This experimentalism just didn't get the same traction and longevity as what some of the other popular groups were doing? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, because in many cases, the songs that, that these bands recorded, not written by anybody in the band. The Kingsmen, Louie Louie, they did not write that. But I, I think there was so much music coming out at that time. I mean, you take a look, because I was going to school in, in Minnesota. There were so many bands, it seemed like every, every week there was a different one that was being played on WDGY. That's the way it was going. People started listening to music that was coming from all over the country. People okay. were also, you know, listening to radio stations out of Memphis, getting into blues music, getting into soul. It was just, I mean, it was an incredible, incredible period. And if a band didn't have, I mean, they had a dynamite first single, but if they didn't have something after that, people moved on. Okay. What was the next big thing? Is there a legacy from this experimental, psych what's called psychedelic era? Oh, absolutely. And I think you'll find out that, uh, for example, when you take a look at Nuggets, 2000, there was a all-time top, 1,000 album chart. Nuggets was number 479 on the list. Now, you go ahead to today, and that album is now number 405. As we talked before we started up, there's another important anniversary and some new music to mention, too. I would have not guessed the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. I was around working for Atlantic Records, which is one of the first hip-hop labels uh, major labels. Personally, I don't like birthdays, even my own. But 50 years ago, I think if you had predicted that this birthday would happen, uh, you would have been told to increase your medication. I like lipstick on my neck. You let me know I'm your number one select. I like lipstick on my neck. Hands around my waist so you know what's coming next. I want to feel your lips on mine. I don't think it anybody anticipated hip-hop becoming as big as it is and having the influence that it does. Where did it start? Who are we talking about back in the in the mid-70s hip-hop? Well, it, it basically started in New York. People doing, playing music, spinning records. 
at various places in the city. Really, if you get right down to it, that's that's where it began. This is more DJ driven. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that 50th birthday, 50th anniversary, if you want to call it that. So I thought it, it would be really important to sign off with one of my favorite new songs, Chanel Monet, who is one of my favorite artists, and a song called Lipstick Lover. Okay, keep track of your AM radio, talk to your car dealer or car manufacturer if you have want to weigh in on that, maybe even the Federal Communications Commission. Get back to the tie-dye, huh? Try a little psychedelic <laughs> with the original Artifacts. It's a, it's a Nuggets album celebrating the psychedelic era and the beat of Janelle Monet. David Hersrud. Thanks, David. Hey, thank you. Good listening. You got-